Welcome to the Heart Hearth Earth podcast, where we gather around the metaphorical hearth to share ideas and conversations on matters of the heart, hearth and earth. Cross-pollinating as we span our wings, connecting the threads of ancestral wisdom. I believe ancestral wisdom provides a roadmap to a regenerative culture, contributing to thriving communities, healing and health. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians where I stand, the Biripai people, and all other First Nations people across this land. Hi everyone, I'm so excited to share this next podcast. It's one uh, that I've been wanting to do for a while to discuss the topic that Amy and I did discuss and oh my goodness, it's so information dense. It's going to be one that I listen to probably a couple of times, but at least one more time. It's going to be one that I share with women that I work with a lot. Um, It breaks down a lot of myths around iron deficiency and how um, it's probably more important to break down to obtain a mineral balance rather than pump more iron into our body. Um, So please, please, please listen till the end. Um, There's so much good information and share it with anyone you know that might be um, looking at their own iron levels, especially around that fertility time of pregnancy, postpartum. But really, this is important for any time of our life. it's for kids, it's for women, it's for men, it's for postmenopausal, it's for any time. Um, but I just need to make a little edit. So in my introduction, I introduced Amy as a nutritionist. Now, she's not a registered nutritionist, but she is very, very knowledgeable. So Amy's actually a health coach, nutrition coach, and comes with so much good personal and personal experience and research. So, yep, jump right in and I can't wait to hear how you find the podcast and what you think of it. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Heart, Hearth, Earth podcast. I've got a fellow Aussie here, nutritionist, Amy Armstrong from Amy Armstrong Health down in Gippsland, Victoria. Um, I've been following Amy a little while, not too long, but I really love her content and how she explains um, lots of things to do with holistic health and nutrition, but especially the balance between minerals um, and breaking down some common myths and how that can impact our health and how we can start to fix it and move towards thriving health. So thanks for being here, Amy. Yeah, thanks, Shelley, so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you and yeah sharing some more about my favorite topic which is minerals awesome yeah I'm looking forward to getting into it because even though in some ways it's simple it's also not so I'm really looking forward to getting my head around it because I'm on my own healing journey with it all too but I also see a lot of women that I talk to and you would too, not just women, people, but especially like we talked about it just before I introduced you, often women start to think about it a bit more intensely around fertility, pregnancy, postpartum or menstrual issues. Mm. But really this applies to everyone. So yeah. um, super exciting for yeah people that uh, have been listening and this topic is coming up a lot. So I reckon for time's sake and to really be able to give it justice, we jump into what it means to talk about mineral balance. Mm. Um, but also I'd love to hear a little bit in there about how you came to the world of holistic health and who you are and 
uh, why you do what you do. Yeah, I, I'll start there um, and give you the very abridged version of, of how I found my way to minerals. Uh, so basically, uh, about 2014, uh, we started to have some real struggles with um, one of our children. She became really um, very chronically ill. Um, and I guess, you know, the very short version of that is it was uh, through looking for ways to help her heal that, you know, um, I found myself in the natural health world after we were having really no um, success with with conventional methods. Um, so, yeah, we, you know, we, we looked at all sorts of natural alternatives for her and um, always in my mind there was this question of, well, why is that happening? Well, what's underneath that? Well, what's driving that? And I, I never really felt like I was getting to the bottom of, um, of, of why she had so much inflammation in her brain and, you know, what was happening and what the processes were. So at some point in that very, very long journey, um, we're talking six, seven, eight years of, of, of being in that space, um, by which point I was heavily into researching myself. I spent a lot of my days and, and nights um, online looking for practitioners to help us, but also, you know, really just getting buried in the weeds of, of research. Um, I, at some point, landed with uh, with minerals and somebody introduced me to magnesium online and by that I found uh, the work of Morley Robbins and the Root Cause Protocol and we started to see some real success in um, in her health and not only her health but my own because by that point um, I was suffering a lot of pretty severe chronic symptoms myself which, you know, um, uh, the stress of having a chronically ill child <laughs> will, will do that to you. Mm. Um, so we found ourselves, um, you know, starting to dabble in some in magnesium supplementation and really just changing our diets to become very nutrient dense um, and embarking on the root cause protocol, which I later trained in. Um, and long story short there, we, you know, she's quite the miracle. We've, we've had a lot of success, um, in her health and she's now a, a happy, thriving, functioning, nearly 15 year old girl. So, um, there was a time, you know, in that journey where we didn't think that was ever a possibility. And for myself, um, through mineral balancing and focusing in on, you know, controlling stresses and nutrient-dense diet, I also managed to um, to get over a lot of my own health struggles and happy to say at nearly 45, I probably feel, you know, the best that I can remember, um, particularly in my adulthood. Um, so I guess from that grew a real passion of, um, of minerals um, and just information sharing um, and showing people that there is another way to health and, you know, that it, that it is possible, um, yeah, to, to reclaim your health. And, and I guess I did further study from there and, and um, here I am. <laughs> well, that's amazing, Amy. And I think it is so important to when people have that personal experience because it does develop a depth and empathy for just what a huge impact Mm. health issues can have on a family holistically emotionally mentally physically it's absolutely it's hard to really understand that unless you've been in it so I'm sure you bring 
heaps of value to your clients, even if they're coming from varied um, backgrounds and issues. So that's, yeah, that's really powerful. That sounds like a whole podcast in itself. Yeah. I, I have actually recently a co- uh, recorded a podcast um, about her journey. So, oh, um, yeah. Okay. I, we'll put I, that, I'll get that link off you and we'll pop that in the show notes too. Yeah. And I'll, I'll go have a listen because I'd love to listen to that from a personal point of view too. Yeah. I haven't actually, I, I don't think she's released it yet. It was only a few weeks ago that we recorded it, but that is basically our whole journey. Um, through my daughter's um, yeah health issues so it's um, yeah I think really valuable to other families that are are going through you know similar sorts of um, chronic health conditions with you know with their children Mm, Um, definitely it's so common yeah yeah sadly it is so yeah I have a real passion for for helping you know families um, just make lifestyle and and diet changes in general and and adding you know some some mineral supplementation in um where is needed but also my other my other passion really is is helping women um to to reclaim their health i guess um through the use of you know of obviously lifestyle changes um you know a lot of dietary changes but again also you know having a really good look at their minerals um and seeing what's happening there so i guess as you mentioned um just before yes it's you know um it's a very complex topic and i do not confess to know everything there is to know in fact the more i the more i know the more i realize i don't know um you know there's really complex interactions at a cellular level but you know, above all that complexity, there's also this really um, kind of simple premise about what our bodies actually need to function well, and and we can really simplify it um, for the average person, and and have really powerful impact um, in people's health just by doing some some really simple things and focusing on a few very key minerals, which is, I guess, what I'm going to talk about today. Mm, fantastic! Yeah, that's good. It's a good um, point to make that it's, well, we don't know everything. And that's actually such a healthy sign when someone says that, is that we're still learning because that means you're adaptable to new information. But what we do know is pretty solid and concrete and that's what we can simplify and have huge impacts with. Awesome. So um, like we mentioned, often even though like getting the mineral balance can help everyone from pregnancy, postpartum, infants, children, all through the life cycle, men and women, it's often around um, that fertility that we start getting tests. I know that was the first time I ever had my iron tested Um, and it was the good old um, traditional, your iron is low, take this (laughs) ferrous grad or whatever the little red tablet is. Oh, if only I could go back knowing what I know now. Oh, yeah. And Shelly, me too. You know, um, I wasn't in this space when when I first um, birthed my first child who I had, you know, a lot of issues with. And, yeah, I mean, um, we can only go forward with the knowledge that we have, can't we, and, and do better as we know better. So I guess by sharing these sorts of information, I hope that we can get some people, at, some women at the start of that journey and, um, and you know, give them a little bit of education, but mainly just um, get them asking more questions, I think is the really important message from this. Um, so I guess a good place to start is is just talking about you know, micronutrients in general um, and, and why there's so much importance on focusing on our micronutrients. Um, 
because when it comes to what we eat, it's it's typically the macronutrients, you know, the fats and carbs and proteins that get the most of our attention. But really, it's the micronutrients in foods that determine whether, you know, whether we have proper physiological function in our bodies. Um, and these micronutrients come from our diet. So regardless of what dietary camp you fall under, we don't really even need to embark down that route, you know, high fat, low carb, plant-based, whatever it may be, Mm. all of us need to consume these micronutrients. And in our world today, in in the Western world, you really will have a hard time finding someone who is deficient in macronutrients. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're all really overfed and undernourished at the same time. Um, but much of the population are deficient and imbalanced in in many of the micronutrients, particularly minerals, which is where we're going to focus today. Um, so, yeah, I mean, minerals, you know, our bodies need them to perform nearly all of its tasks. Um, almost every physiological function um, involves minerals. Um you know, they enable our body to produce enzymes and, and hormones and lots of other substances needed for, for normal growth, I guess, and, and development across our life. Um, and I guess it's important to kind of consider that growth and, and development occur, you know, until you take your last breath, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like it's a constant process in our body of recycling and, and, and growing all the time and if you don't have the mineral capacity for that to occur all day every day then your health yeah will will start to slowly go south um and there's essential minerals that we need um but more isn't necessarily better with everything um because all of our minerals kind of work in a balance it's all you know they work synergistically and antagonistically with each other Um, there's about 17, I think that's arguable, um, about 17 essential minerals and we kind of need them all in in varying amounts and they have to be obtained through our diet. We we don't make those ourselves in our bodies, although we do recycle a lot more than probably people realise. So, yeah, to make it really simple for today, um, you know, we don't need to micromanage all of these 17 minerals daily. We don't need, you know, more of all of them. We don't need to supplement them all. We just, um, there's some really main mineral players um, that we'll talk about today that if we can keep those in balance, you know, that can really keep us um, in health. And these minerals do sort of form the premise of the root cause protocol if um, if people do want to go and, you know, look at what that protocol involves. But um, the the minerals that, yeah, I'd like to focus on are copper, iron, magnesium, and one very important vitamin called retinol. And Yes. For anyone that's been listening to me or following me, that's vitamin A yes. in retinol form. When I talk about vitamin A from animal products, yes. in retinol form. So, Absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. We're not talking about, um, you know, Carrots. the the beta carotene (laughs) yeah Yeah. so I guess you know two of those three minerals we generally need more of and that's copper and magnesium and one that we arguably need much less of in our in our lives in our bodies in our food is iron and, and we'll get we'll get into that um a bit later in the conversation but 
Um, balancing, you know, balancing minerals requires a few things from us. We need to you know, we need to have the consumption of the actual minerals themselves. So we need a really nutrient-rich diet. Um, processed and ultra-processed foods, you know, they they don't contain these minerals that our bodies actually need. And, in fact, on their way through, they actually um, draw minerals from other parts of our body to process them and get them out. So it, it's sort of um, twofold there in, in their impact on our body. Um, so we need to consume them. We need to be able to utilise them. We need to have a digestive system that, you know, can absorb them um, and use them. And the other really important factor which, um, which I love to focus on is that we need to prevent excess loss where, where we can. And, and that's, you know, that's through stress. So these minerals mm. that I'm talking about today, they are abundantly lost under stress. Um, and just to mention, you know, pregnancy, when we're talking about pregnancy, although, you know, natural and beautiful, it's a hugely stressful uh, state for our bodies. And, you know, pregnancy is the most energetically expensive activity the human can body can actually maintain for nine months. So, you know, it is, it is a big uh, stress to our body and we do need to really focus in on our mineral intake in that time. And of course, as well as when we're trying to conceive and postpartum. Um, so I guess when I'm talking about that birthing process, you know, um, it doesn't end when when the baby comes out. Mm. Um, particularly when we're talking about um, the health of women going forward, and we need to replete all these nutrients that we have actually given away to our babies. So. Yeah, I think if you're going to focus on the minerals we're talking about today, copper, retinol, magnesium, you know, that really leads us to talk about foods that are high in those nutrients that are found in Mother Nature, along with all those other beautiful components of food that actually activate those minerals and make them bioavailable for our bodies as well. Um, yeah, mineral deficiencies, you know, what... I guess why minerals are just so important and and are so foundational to our health is that, you know, deficiencies basically drive or at least contribute to all chronic disease. Um, and today we're going to talk, you know, a lot around iron and, and copper and retinol. But, yeah, you know, they contribute to all disease states. So we need to start kind of treating that underlying causes of of all these chronic diseases that you know are out there at the moment um, and not just kind of managing them with with medications but you know that's such a band-aid approach in in my opinion and it doesn't address the you know the foundational causes and I know when we were on our um, our journey with our daughter you know that's what I was looking for. Where's where's the foundation of this? Where's the thing, the the very root that I can go to to start healing her? And that's where we kept coming back to minerals. Um, so yeah, I mean, and imagine if we could, you know, um, screen for mineral deficiencies, you know, for the wider population in the doctor's office, and and start addressing these subclinical deficiencies that that you know, arguably most of society has. Um, that would that would be preventative medicine. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, exactly. unfortunately, you know, if you want to do that, you, you really need to take matters into your own hands and 
and not rely on your doctor. And, you know, we've got screening tools like hair tissue mineral analysis that I use and, and blood work that we can look at um, to, to look at your deficiencies and your imbalances. Um, and, you know, there's various health professionals and, and coaches, you know, people like you and me who can really, you know, guide people through um, and women through implementing the changes. But, yeah, you, you really do have to kind of... Um, get in the weeds sometimes yourself and and start you know getting curious about how your body actually does work mm, absolutely yeah. right so you use the hair tissue analysis and blood works together yeah amazing. yeah yes. I do and you know they're not perfect um mm. but they do give um they they do give a a, a picture of what's happening for people metabolically um and they just provide a really good um a really good start point to talk about how someone's stress of their life is impacting on their bodies, on their cells and on their minerals. Um, so, so they are, you, you know, a really good um, a tool to be used like that. Um, mm. And I guess, you know, talking about cells, which is, you know, where our energy is made, that's probably a good, um, a good thing to mention is, you know, chatting, have a chat about energy and, and energy production in the cell so we can get a better understanding of, of why these minerals are so important and then obviously really connect that into um, to pregnancy and um, fertility and postpartum. Um, so, yeah, d did you want me to chat about? Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Um, I guess from a, from a cellular perspective what you know what we're really aiming for in a body is um is vitality and resilience and resistance to disease you know that's what that's what we all want um so we can then live in health and a really good way to get a resilient body with lots of um vitality and, and energy is to have good cellular energy production because good cellular energy production is kind of foundational to all health you know that touches every corner of the body and we need to make um, energy, we need, yeah, we need to make energy in our mitochondria um, with the right balance of minerals for that to happen. So, you know, when we're talking about energy, and you probably hear this um, often, Shelley, too, and, you know, people, um, people tend to talk a lot, of, a lot about their energy um, in, in kind of the, you know, how they're feeling mentally and physically um, in terms of fatigue and just their overall energy, but they probably couldn't tell you how or where it's actually made in their bodies. Mm, um, good point. And and for those of us who kind of focus on the on the minerals and rebalancing minerals as a way of healing, we're really looking at those kind of cellular energetics, and that is, you know, are our cells making enough energy in the face of all the stress we're under in our environment and our food system and our relationships and our work, you know, all of that stress. So under the conditions of all of that stress, how cleanly is our body able to make that energy, you know, and can we deal with the exhaust from that energy making process? Because there is exhaust from that. And so it's twofold. We need enough minerals to actually make the energy in our cells and then also enough to be able to deal with that exhaust that comes from that process. So, um, yeah, so when we think about 
creating energy, we need to think about minerals and we need to think, you know, is that happening cleanly and, and efficiently? And it really, at the end of the day, it's, um, it's really simple in that, you know, if our body is making energy cleanly and efficiently because it's got the mineral capacity to do so, then you've got a really high chance of your body just functioning well. You know, we're talking about your digestive system, you know, a liver that's functioning, your nervous system, you know, balanced hormones um, and and your immune system, which is, you know, something that a lot of people who perhaps weren't aware of once upon a time are really aware of their immune system now. And, you know, a body that is resilient can put up defences when it's needed and, and regulate that pathogenic load coming in and, and detox effectively and metabolise all that stress. So, yeah, you know, the body's systemic. All of these things kind of work together. Um, and when it's harmonious and we've got the en- mineral capacity to run our enzymes, all these reactions can happen throughout the body. So, you know, although it's really complex, it's really simple. We've just got to give it the right inputs <laughs> um, and, you know, and give it the best chance of being able to work properly and make energy. Um, and minerals are really foundational to that. Um, and so it's very much part of that kind of um, terrain theory of health. And that's the theory that, you know, promotes strengthening the host which is us. So it's not to go in and, you know, focus on killing everything that comes along, but rather giving our bodies the resources um, that it needs to, you know, to to stay strong and vital. And, I mean, that's never more important than when you're pregnant or or postpartum um, to to have those... um, you know, to have that mineral capacity for your body to be doing all the tasks necessary to be pregnant. So I guess when we think of energy, when the normal person thinks of energy, um, and you highlighted this when you said you went along and had some testing around pregnancy time, you know, we always energy to what mineral? Iron. Iron. Yeah. <laughs> this is um, going to be some shocking information for most people and probably take a little bit of mindset shifting to hear what is about to be said. <laughs> yeah, and look, um, I, you know, I, I will go in gently today. I guess um, going into the the real weeds of of um, copper iron metabolism is is probably a conversation for another day. Um, just in terms of you know what what everybody should know about that process, but. I guess today I can talk a bit more about, you know, our, our iron and, our, and how much we actually need is a really good place to start. Fantastic. Um, and for most of us, when we think we don't have enough energy, we mustn't, you know, we presume or we are told that we don't have enough iron. Um, but what most of us really wouldn't know is that although iron carries the oxygen, in our bodies, which is super important. We can't live without iron. Yes, we need it. It's actually copper that activates that oxygen to become energy. So um, one analogy I really like, and it's an analogy of of Morley Robbins, is that um, iron is the waiter and copper is the chef in the kitchen. Mm. So the, the copper, the chef is the one that activates all this beautiful food to make it become a meal. And then the waiter is just the person who carries out to the table. 
Mm-hmm. And that's a really nice analogy for copper and iron, I think. It is. Um, and so, you know, it's copper that, that that makes the energy. And if and if oxygen can't be activated because we don't have enough copper, the copper capacity, then that's not good and that becomes oxidative stress or another way to put oxidative stress is accidents with oxygen because oxygen and iron are both probably the most two most reactive elements in our body. So we just think of iron as this great thing and we need more, but actually like everything else, it actually has to be able to be utilised in the body which is really interesting. Like it's that when I heard that, it was something that I'd never really thought about before is that you can take this oxygen in, but your body has to have uh, the ability to be able to use that oxygen to make energy. And for that, it needs copper. Mm. So, um, yeah, without, without, without copper, we can't use the, the oxygen right. And of course, um, magnesium is another really important mineral in there as part of that energy making process, um, being attached to ATP, which is like the, the energy molecule inside of the side of the mitochondria. So I guess the question then becomes what minerals might, might we need more of and, and what minerals do we need to, you know, less of or to really keep in balance and in check in our bodies and when it comes to iron um yeah counter to to popular belief we may not need more iron in our bodies we may just need the iron that we have to be to be really functional and that relies very much on copper and retinol um, and magnesium so those words will just keep coming up in the conversation because you know it's energy in our bodies is really centered around those minerals Mm -hmm. Um, and you know how much iron do we actually need is probably another good question Um, and there's some probably some important things to know about that the first one is we can't excrete iron okay so once it is in our bodies it is there to stay so Apart from blood loss, which, um, you know, as women we have the, um, as much as, as many of us look upon our menstrual cycle as, you know, painful and we wish it wasn't there, it actually provides us with a really useful way of getting rid of unbound toxic iron. Mm. And in fact, you know, um, up until we are postmenopausal, um, that can be explained as to why we have less chance of a lot of chronic diseases than men do up until that point because we do have this monthly blood loss. So that's a really important outlet for our iron. So please, women, <laughs> love your cycle. Um, be grateful for it because, um, you know, it is actually doing you uh, a big favour in that regard with your iron. Um, so yeah, we don't get rid of this iron once it's there, it's accumulating for every year that you are on this planet, your iron levels are going up. Um, and you know, um, it can be related to any, any cause of aging basically has an iron component to it in that regard. Iron is aging, um, Morley Robbins and, and even Ray Pete talk did talk about those things a lot that it's accumulating it in our bodies and essentially um you know it 
it's rusting us from the inside out, which which is a weird concept. But if you think about what iron does when you leave it out in the rain, <laughs> mm. um, you know, there's similar processes that go on on the inside as well. And I think it's really important for us women to realise too that, that we actually absorb more iron uh, more efficiently than what men do. Um, I think um, it was Ray Pete who talked of um, women absorbing about three times more iron than men in, from a similar meal. And interestingly, when we're pregnant with our higher estrogen levels, um, we can be absorbing up to nine times more iron in that state than men. Wow. So obviously that's needed um, and it's very natural, but um, then we start to think about, you know, adding more iron into that picture, which often we do while we're pregnant. And, you know, um, that's where I think it's, yeah, a conversation needs to be had around what um, what level of iron is appropriate for, for someone in pregnancy. And, and I'll talk about that a little bit later on. Um, so... We, we can't get rid of this iron. We are, you know, we're taking a lot of iron in every day through enriched foods. Um, and enrichment sounds like such a good thing, doesn't it? Such a, mm. a positive word for such a, a negative, um, you know, product that we're actually getting because if you're eating re refined grains um, of any sort, then chances are they're enriched with iron um, in our country. And essentially these forms are essentially iron filings which our bodies can't use and um, if anybody's ever read the book by Jim Moon called Iron the Most Toxic Metal I think it's called um, you get a real understanding of that um, iron refinement so about in the 1940s um, we started to put inorganic iron filings in our food system Mm -hmm. And um, Jim Moon um, has been quoted to say it, it was one of the biggest mistakes in the history of human nutrition. So that enormous amount of, of daily iron puts pressure on our bodies and, um, yeah, then you've got iron supplementation, you know. So many women who are menstruating age um, are put on iron or they're under the assumption because they're having that heavy bleeding that they're iron deficient or even anemic mm. um, and so too with pregnant women and women preparing to conceive as well already are also put on these you know large doses of iron so what we really need when it comes to iron is about 25 milligrams a day so the really important part to know there Shelley is that 24 of those 25 milligrams comes from our very own recycling system in our body. So wow. it's not it's not via our food. Mm. And that's called the reticuloendothelial system. So it's it's essentially an iron recycling system in our bodies and it provides us with 95% of our daily iron needs. So wow, that's high. Yeah, so you know, mm. which leaves 1 milligram via food that we actually need so you know that's that that recycled iron every day goes into making new red blood cells and other iron-based proteins like heme um yeah so it's pretty significant to think about the fact that 95 percent of that actually comes from our recycling system which leaves about a milligram for food and when you take into consideration you know at best we we absorb about 15 percent of what we eat in terms of our iron um you know, 
that need for iron is still a sight less than what most of us consume on a daily basis. Mm. So when you think about um, a prenatal supplement having 60 to 70 milligrams of iron per day, when you think about something like the average bowl of cereal can contain up to 48 milligrams of iron in a single realistic serve. I'm not talking about the serving size on the back of the box. Mm. I'm talking about what people eat. Yeah, know, actually consume. Yeah, Actually consume. Um, you know, so when you start to, you know, iron supplements, iron fortified food, you, you start to get this picture, way too much iron. Mm. And then if you add to the picture that, you know, we are getting a lessening amount of copper in our diets for various reasons. You know, um, there's less copper in our soils. Glyphosate, Roundup, works mm. great on a majority of our conventionally grown food. You know, that chelates copper out of your body. Chelates means basically it, it makes it unusable for your body. Um, and then the low-fat diets that we've all been promoted to have, um, although I like to think that that, that is... Um, you know, people are slowly being educated about, um, you know, how important fat is in our diet, how important cholesterol is. You know, you've got this perfect storm for iron accumulation in your body. Um, and I guess the kicker with that is that this iron recycling system that I've just explained that we all have, which is where most of our iron actually comes from, it requires copper to work. You know, copper is what lets that iron out of the cell Copper is what loads that iron onto its transport proteins. Um, you know, so if we don't have enough copper, that iron that should be in motion all of the time, because iron is supposed to be in movement all of the time. It's not supposed to be sitting in your tissues or inside your cells. You know, when we don't have the copper to the bioavailable copper to move that iron around, it gets stuck in our cells and our tissues and, you know, it stops the normal processes of the cells from happening. It stops the energy production from happening. It causes oxidative stress and inflammation. You know, it, it oxidizes our fats and our mm. proteins and our sugars and our enzymes. And it's really in effect, it, that's why I was saying before, it kind of rusts us from the inside out. Um, so... Should I talk about the importance of copper um, in, in amongst that? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Um, in that, do you think we can get enough copper from nutrient-dense foods or what's your thoughts on supplementation with copper? Yeah. Um, I guess that's varied. Yes and no. Look, if you are eating, when we're talking about uh, nutrient density. If you are in fact eating a very nutrient dense diet, that includes things like grass fed liver. Mm -hmm. You may be able to to meet your copper needs. You can actually supplement too. Um, you know, desiccated liver capsules would be would be one way. Um, if you are getting, you know, um, really nutrient-dense animal products in your diet, you know, they all go towards um, having enough copper. But the other part of that is, and I wasn't really going to go into that yet, but it's probably a good time to mention, to make that copper usable in your body, it has to also be bioavailable in, yes. a, in a protein called ceruloplasmin. Right. And to make it available, it needs the nutrient, which is retinol, 
to load that copper into the ceruloplasmin. That's probably going a little bit deep, but no, that's if all, if all that anyone takes from that is the fact that we need retinol yeah. to be able to use our copper properly, you start to see, oh, hang on a minute, if we're eating things like beef liver and egg yolks and grass-fed butter and, you know, um, oysters and all these lovely other nutrient-dense foods, you know, funnily enough, all of those foods come <laughs> with those nutrients together. Yes, exactly. And I think this is, it's actually really good um, to explain that retinol connection. So you need the retinol to use the copper to use the iron, exactly. which is why, yeah, those high vitamin A retinol form foods and the fats, like you said, the yolks and the livers are important, um, yet puts it into a very usable, practical context. Absolutely. And, you know, copper is, it's got a pretty profound function in the body um, in creating energy and clearing that exhaust. So like I said, for that copper to be bioavailable, it needs to be complexed in this network of proteins and enzymes. And about 95% of the copper in our in our blood is complexed in that protein I mentioned before called ceruloplasmin. Mm. And that's like our master multi-copper protein it's like our master antioxidant enzyme um so you know in that state in that ceruloplasmin it is what regulates our iron and prevents this iron from kind of going rogue and Mm. and being unbound and um and causing oxidative stress so it keeps the iron in motion as you know mother nature intended Um, And I guess conversely, if we don't have that copper, if we don't have that ceruloplasmin, um, then iron starts to build up in our tissue and it sort of has an affinity first towards our liver and, you know, then our endocrine glands. Um, And as we age, that chronic buildup of iron, you know, leads to decreased energy production in the cells and increased inflammation in our tissues and organs. So, yeah, it's it's a real problem for that Mm. excess unbound iron to be kind of sitting around being very volatile. (laughs) And a lot of people that will listen to this will probably say, but when I get tested, Mm. my iron levels are low. Yeah, yeah. And and so um, a few important points there, Shelley, I guess the first one is um, uh, the work of Morley Robbins will tell us that, and, and he's quoting, um, you know, research before him. I can't quote the research off the top of my head, but there is about 10 times more iron in our tissue than our blood. So that, yes. that's the first point to know. Very good point. The second point to know is that um, we are typically using ferritin as the measure of our iron being low. Yeah. Oh, and ferritin, that's probably um, a topic for a whole nother chat as well. But in essence, ferritin is a storage molecule, a storage protein that is inside of our cell, okay? It has a function, Mm. it has a role. When we measure our ferritin in a blood test, we're measuring it in our serum. So we're no longer measuring it in the cell where it's supposed to be. We're measuring it in the serum. So the work of um, iron biologists like Douglas Kell will tell us that once that ferritin has 
leaked into our serum. So it's actually secreted in there out of the cell. It's typically dropped its load of iron in the cell, which is mm. not a good thing, and secreted into our serum. So it's a sign of organ pathophysiology. It's not a sign of iron vitality. Mm. So what that means is um, Douglas Kell would argue that our ferritin should actually not be in our serum. <laughs> yeah. And that's where we measure it and decide that we're low in iron. The mm. third point to, to, to remember there is iron um, is like this, uh, iron is the mineral that feeds pathogens. Right? Mm -hmm. They can't flourish and grow and duplicate without this kind of iron buffet. And your body is really, really clever and it wants to keep you alive. So it will sequester that iron out of your blood. Okay, and it does that for a reason, to keep it away from the pathogens. Mm -hmm. So to say that we are low in iron based on a ferritin blood test um, is completely erroneous. It, it, it's really not the marker that we can decide whether we're low in iron. And no. arguably, nobody is low in iron. We have yes. it. But is your iron functional? Yes. Is the question. And there are a lot of other markers that, you know, um, that we can look at to, to start to decide. A lot of other iron markers in your blood that we can look at, but also your copper and your ceruloplasmin and your magnesium and your zinc, you know, all these things we start to piece together to decide um, how functional your iron actually is, but never just from a ferritin-only blood test. Yeah, yeah, that's really good to break down for people so that they can feel rest rest assured a little bit more that that's not necessarily a um a reliable diagnosis absolutely and yeah. i think if you know you don't need to remember all um you know all of these things that i've been saying um about the why i guess all you need to remember is if if your uh, ferritin is low that does give us some signs and indications of things that are happening in your body, but all it is for you is is probably a sign to ask more questions. And if, yes. I, if that's yeah. my takeaway from today, yeah. it would be particularly when it comes to iron deficiency or iron anemia is to ask more questions. Mm -hmm. um, mm. Yeah, so I guess to make the iron functional, we could probably talk about you know, the nutrients a little bit more and how we might get those through food um, that, you know, the nutrients that are actually going to make our iron regulated in our bodies. In usable, um, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, so in terms of food and, and, and whole food supplementation, we can, I kind of group that in with food because essentially when I'm talking about supplementation, supplementation today I am talking predominantly about whole food supplementation so that is the food is basically concentrated and you know desiccated or something and 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 encapsulated okay so I'm not talking about some chemical concoction that's made off you know um tar coal tar derivatives like a lot of the B vitamins or you know made off a yeast in a in a lab I'm which people about don't realize foods. that a lot of supplements are synthetic and made in a lab off genetically modified yeast and bacteria or yeah. a chemical so yeah, yeah good distinction to make yeah and and a really um good little piece of advice I heard somewhere um yesterday afternoon was your 
your vitamin pill should read like a menu, not like um, a chemical concoction. I thought that's actually a really wise piece of advice because if you can flip your bottle over and see that it is full of concentrated food yes. as opposed to, you know, some chemicals made in yep. a lab, then you're you're actually on the right track. Yeah. That's a handy piece of advice for people just in general when they're searching for supplements. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, when I'm talking about supplementation, that is what I'm talking about. So, um, I mean, let's talk, we, we can talk about retinol, you know, that, that, like I said before, it's really vital for loading copper into ceruloplasmin, so making our copper available. Um, and it's found in uh, foods like beef liver, you know, again, butter, egg yolks and other animal-based food. It is an animal-based nutrient. Beta-carotene is not the same thing. Yes, beta-carotene, I think it takes maybe 12, um, you know, 12 beta-carotens to make one molecule of, of retinol. And that is provided that you have the genetic expression to be able to do that. And uh, children do not, I believe, and, and mm. a lot of um, adults would not have the gene present or functioning to be able to make that conversion. So that's really important to know. It is, yeah. Um, you know, so we're talking about whole animal foods and cod liver oil would be another one I would put in the whole food basket. But, of course, most of us, you know, take that in an encapsulated form because it tastes so damn nasty. <laughs> <laughs> I take the cinnamon one, the green of oh. cinnamon one, and it's I've it's never heard great. of the cinnamon one. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I can come to it. I don't. Most people can't. Um, I think if you get your children onto it young enough, you know, yes. there was a time in history where, you know, everybody would line up for their teaspoon of cod liver oil um, from their parents in the mornings. If Absolutely. If you probably yeah. ask your parents or their grandparents, they would say that that is something that they, that they took. Yeah, they um, all remember that. You know, and it's a lovely nutrient-dense oil um, from the liver of a cod, obviously. And, you know, of course, as well as vitamin A, retinol, it, it actually contains vitamin D as well, which mm. uh, a lot of, you know, that's a bit of a media darling and not something that I will go into synthetic vitamin D supplements today too much. But, you know, in nature, I think it's found about one one unit of vitamin D to about 10 units of retinol. So when you take it in a whole food form, you are getting those things in the balance that Mother Nature has provided for us. And that we've evolved. To, yeah. Yeah, to yeah. grow with, yeah. Absolutely. Hey, it's no surprise that when it comes to health, nutrient-dense foods are my priority. However, let's be honest, we don't always get the balance right. So when it comes to supplements, I like to use whole foods too. My kids and I have been using Saturay's liver and oyster capsules alongside the Greener Pastures cod liver oil for quite some time as a way to support our immune systems and ensure we keep our A, D, E and K vitamins up. You can check out my affiliate links in the show notes as a way to both support this podcast and yours and your family's health. Magnesium's another one and magnesium, you know, rich foods are great and something we should include in our diet. And I guess things like um, pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, you know, stabilised rice bran, um, fatty fish, you know, seaweeds. I mean, there's a 
a variety of nuts and legumes and whole grains um, and dark leafy greens and my favorite which is dark chocolate yes um, I was eating some just as you jumped yeah. on the call <laughs> <laughs> necessity and of course you know there's a there's a variety of ways to get that topic in in um as well topically we can take that you know in terms of lotions and and epsom salts or magnesium chloride baths um and then of course you know, there's ionic liquids that we can take, magnesium liquids and tablets and capsules. So um, it's one of the easier uh, minerals to supplement in that way. Mm. Um, and, of course, copper. So, again, we have to come back to beef liver. You know, it it is Mother Nature's multivitamin. It is arguably the most nutrient-dense food on the face of the earth and it has a lot of people will turn to beef liver supplements for the iron. I guess what they really don't know is they're actually taking it for the copper to make yes. the iron functional. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it does have iron in it yep. in, in its usable form. Um, mm. And it's also a really excellent source of retinol as well. And, you know, it provides the right ratio of copper to zinc. It's a really magnificent source of B vitamins, especially B12. You know, it's a wonderful, wonderful food. Pity it tastes like such crap to most people. <laughs> but there are ways to get it in. Um, there is. You know, I just made a some, number of hacks. <laughs> I just made some pate with chicken liver, yeah. which I know has a little bit of a different nutrient profile. But I also take powdered capsules. Do you mm. think they're still effective when it's dehydrated and powdered? What's your thought? Yeah. That's a great question. Look, what what we know about desiccated liver capsules is that the nutrient profile they give you on the bottle is prior to it being desiccated. So yes, yeah. I'm not suggesting it, it is not worthwhile. I actually take them myself, myself mm. particularly in weeks that I can't get um, fresh grass beef liver into my you know, into my diet. That's how I use um, it too. Yeah. It's so an it, everyday it, thing. For me, yeah. it's a supplement, funnily yeah. enough. It's a supplement. Um, <laughs> But it's better than, I would say it is absolutely better than none at all. Yep. So for okay. a lot of people, they rely, for a lot of my clients, they do rely. They're not they're not willing to embark down the fresh liver route. Mm. Um, so that's the next best thing. Yep. Um, and, and the other concern that I sometimes still hear is, you know, people saying, well, I'm not eating liver. It's, you know, it, it's a filter. It, fills, it filters out the toxins. Oh, yeah, I'm glad and, you're addressing this. Yeah, and that's really not true. Um, it, what the liver does is it, um, how can I put this simply, it modifies the toxins to make them less toxic and to make them easier to excrete. And that leads to um, their elimination via feces and urine. So they are not actually retained in the liver. Yeah, it's not like okay. a ceramic water filter that gets it's clogged not. up. It's not no. like a, a filter that gets clogged up. It is, yeah. yeah. It, all its its job is to make them um, less toxic and and easy to get out of our body. Yeah, that's what. The yeah, really does. good point. I'm glad you covered that. Yeah, and of course, um, if we're talking about copper, you know, um, mm. shellfish, and mm. oysters, you know, nuts and seeds as well. So, you know, no real surprises, Shelley. We're just talking about whole foods, you know, real foods that don't have a nutritional panel on the back. Um, and for the most part, don't come in a packet. So I guess when we, when we really just keep bringing it back to basics, um, it's just eating real whole 
nutrient-dense foods. Absolutely. <laughs> if you can do that, I, I really truly believe from my heart for probably 80% of the population, if that is all you focused on, you would you would see real healing absolutely, um, and real health. Yeah, and it's a life. It's about a lifestyle change, and a lot of the time, people, when they think of changing their health for the better, they think that it's going to be expensive. And mm. it's true that to go eat fresh oysters all the time does cost money, but when you put that in the context of maybe buying soft drink or um, other things that are still junk food that's quite expensive, yeah. but then there's other ways too. So, like you said, shellfish, like mussels here. I know at least on the east coast in season, oh. just from the supermarket, are super cheap. Yeah, beautiful. And they are great yep. as well. And then making a broth if you get prawns from your shells. And there's, there's liver is pretty Absolutely. affordable. Absolutely, liver is so affordable. Mm. And if you ditched the $40 bottle of multivitamins that you are buying off the pharmacy shelf exactly um and took in you know all we're talking about is sort of a hundred and a piece the size of your palm 120 grams a week of liver yeah is going to provide you with oh you know almost all all your nutrient needs it's that nutrient dense mm. um so I guess in terms of pregnancy and, and postpartum, you know, all these nutrients we've just been talking about, for someone, you know, what your body needs for fertility and pregnancy and postpartum health is the same nutrients, you know. They're not different. Um, we just possibly need more. You know, birthing such a metabolically, physiologically, emotionally taxing um, process on the body and like I said before, that phase doesn't just end when the baby comes out. And, you know, these are the these are the nutrients that we actually need. Um, and it's, I guess it's a controversial topic, but, um, you know, when it comes to prenatals, um, you know, a lot of women are told to start taking them, you know, the moment they become pregnant or even way before for, you know, for often, like you said, it's, it's the first time that women have really noticed their iron. Mm. <laughs> um, and these most of these prenatals, I won't say all because there are some really whole, good whole food um, supplements that you can actually get, but most of them are full of these synthetic vitamins, um, including a really large amount of iron. Um, you know, uh, some popular brands here in Australia, I think, probably 60 to 75 milligrams per serve wow. of that supplement. Mm. So I, the best thing a, a pregnant woman can actually do is making sure she's getting adequate nutrition from, you know, focusing on eating real whole nourishing foods and whole food supplementation. And there's no substitute for that. Um, yeah. And the amount of iron um, that, that is contained in in a in a multivitamin in a prenatal or a multivitamin for that matter you know that that can almost be considered a month's worth of of iron in a way mm. wow um and there's some really interesting studies that I can probably talk about um one that comes to mind um or not a study so much as a piece of information again this is from Ray Pete he's you know, he's known for making that link between iron and, and jaundice. And oh. since that custom of giving, you know, those really large amounts of iron to pregnant women was established, there's been an increase in jaundice in newborns. Interesting. And, 
Yeah, and it's been observed that women who didn't take iron supplementation during pregnancy, um, you know, by his accounts, have have healthy babies that don't develop jaundice. So, mm. you know, it's just to start thinking about the norm and challenging the norm um, mm. of, of a prenatal. And, and again, your prenatal vitamin bottle should read like a menu, you know, of, of real food. So a lot of them contain, um, you know, uh, folic acid. Now, mm. folic acid is not the same as folate. Um, you know, it's the body has to go through several conversion steps to make use of folic acid, and that is if you have the genetic capacity to do so. And if you don't, that folic acid can be um, really quite detrimental to your health. And there, and there are studies associated with you know increased risk of of certain um, certain disease states. Um, yeah, so that, that that's one that comes to mind. That's in a prenatal often. Vitamin D is another. Um, again, not to go into too much detail about that, but vitamin D is actually a hormone. Um, and when we start to supplement that synthetically and isolated, you know, we start to create other imbalances in the body mm. um, and calcium build up and, um, you know, starting to lower, you know, it, it, calcium and our ceruloplasmin, which is that really important protein I spoke about before that contains our copper. Um, and of course, you know, iron, um, and actually there's a really, um, interesting study, um, on, on hemoglobin that is probably worth mentioning. And you could pop this in the, in the note, Shelley, for, for yes. people to actually have a look at, but, um, I've got it written down here somewhere. I always forget what it's called. It's a, it's a, um, a study that was done, I think in 1995, um, and it, it's called um, the Relation Between mater Maternal Hemoglobin Concentration and Birth Weight in Different Ethnic Groups. Okay. And basically what that um, study looked, like, looked at was 150,000 live births. Mm, that's a good sample a phenomenal size. amount, yeah. yeah. Um, and what the study found was that women... Um, in their first half of their pregnancy should have quite normal haemoglobin. And in the second half of the pregnancy, haemoglobin is supposed to drop to 85 to 95. Mm. Now, um, what they found was that in women who birthed um, their babies with a haemoglobin of 85 to 95 was that um, their, the births they had healthier births and the birth weight of the infant was mm. um was better mm. and that high hemoglobin is actually a, a sign of potential um of risk mm. so that just turns on its head the information that that you know we can be given at the time that we're pregnant and we're starting to see our hemoglobin as a marker of our iron status, go down. It's actually called hemodilution. Mm. Okay, so into your second half of your pregnancy, you know, that marker should be should be going down. And, you know, um, I guess that's where we start to run into issues with um, our care providers in that time. And, um, you know, I know 
you know, if you want to give birth at home and things like that, they expect your haemoglobin to be at a certain level. Right, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's, you know, that research is really worth um, having a look at mm, because, I'll you know, that. yeah, it's um, I can, yeah, give you the link, link to that. But basically, and, you know, for people to share that with their obstetricians and midwives. Um, Absolutely, it's, yeah. It's a pretty phenomenal study. And, you know, for a lot of women, I guess that might send a bit of a chill down the spine who are, you know, having iron infusions and taking supplements, um, iron in supplements at the suggestion of their of their care provider. Mm. So, again, it's just back to asking more questions. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and doing the work for yourself in, you know, in focusing on your diet before conception is really important. Um, mm. I think I know for myself, you know, um, back when I had my first baby, my body was absolutely not in a good place to be um, to be having a pregnancy. I, I didn't do the work um, beforehand and I paid for that dearly. <laughs> mm. um, so, you know, that getting your body ready for conception and eating all these foods that we've just been talking about um, and and focusing on that, you know, the real whole ancestral and animal foods because the same foods that support your metabolism are the same foods that support your fertility, are the same foods that support your prenatal and postnatal health, you know, and that's because they're nutrient-dense and they're bioavailable and they're easy to, suggest, uh, to digest. So I guess that is the takeaway for today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's relevant to the whole life cycle. Yeah. Um, even though it often comes into focus at certain times of our life, it's it's relevant all the way along. And then also with pregnancy and postpartum, we're setting up the future generations and our children. And um, yeah, so that obviously has it. Yes, the whole life cycle and so many benefits. Mm. Wow. Well, that talking about nutrient density and it does it does just lead back to, it's like all roads lead back to ancestral wisdom. When it comes to food and diet, there's a reason that these foods were emphasised and that so much energy was put into accessing those foods and preparing Absolutely. those foods. And, you know, if we look back ancestrally too, even as far as pregnancy goes, you know, if you look back to early people, tribes, um, you know, when uh, even even before conception, um you know they would focus on giving their their the women you know the women and the men who were who were going to conceive giving them the organ meats yeah and organ meats were really coveted for and kept for you know um the the pregnant women you it know they knew yeah. they knew that those um those foods contain you know they'd throw the muscle meat to the dogs it was that's like, right they, yeah and and they would they would feed um feed those women that the organ meats um, fat, fatty cuts and exactly fatty, yeah yeah yep. yeah so much wisdom there well that was amazingly information dense i have been taking notes and i'm gonna have to listen to this at least one more time <laughs> <laughs> um it really fleshed out a few concepts that um yeah i've been looking into and like following people like yourself so I think that's going to be amazingly helpful for people. It was information dense, but also like really simple takeaways there that often more than not, we're going to need to look at our, um, our nutrition through our diet mm. 
and balance the copper magnesium retinol make sure we're getting those to access our iron um and that yeah look at macros but look at nutrient dense foods within that absolutely and so you work with people as a health coach i'm sure they you must have amazing results with um you you have a real gift with articulating the information so maybe um so mindful of your time and you probably have clients waiting for you maybe let people know um yeah what you provide what services you provide and just like a brief outline of what that would look like so I'm sure there's a lot of people thinking oh I could do with a little bit more of guidance of where to go is they shift their mindset with for themselves or their kids or their families or anywhere in their life and um yeah where to find you on websites and social media and I'll put all the links up too yeah, great. So uh, you can find me at my website, which is just amyarmstrong.com.au um, and my services and a little bit more about me is, is listed there. But um, on my socials as well, I'm pretty active on Instagram and Facebook and it's just at Amy Armstrong Health. You'll find me in those places. Um, I have a real passion for um, cooking using whole foods and baking. So um, you'll find a lot of kind of family-friendly recipes and things like that that I like to post that I've um, tested out on my guinea pigs, <laughs> being, my, being my three children and my husband um, on there as well. And, yeah, so as far as, you know, how I help people, it, I mean, it it's varied. Um, I do, you know, I do see men at as well as women but um a majority of my clientele is women um and in fact an increasing amount of women coming preconception which is just so wonderful to see and I I have a few clients now who've had um root cause protocol babies on the ground and have had you know fabulous pregnancies and fabulous Mm. births and healthy babies and it's just a testament to the work that they've done to prepare their bodies beforehand so you know that that's just my favorite thing gives me warm fuzzies mm, me too. With, and mm. and then you know follow their journey um um as mothers afterwards mm. um I use you know functionally I use hair tissue mineral analysis as we mentioned and and blood work as well um to have a look at you know what what's happening for people on the inside the conversation in a consult um involves a lot of talking about your stress, your stress timeline, you know, sometimes we're talking about um, pre your birth really because, you know, your mineral balance comes from your mother and Mm. her mother before and it's, you know, there's a genetic component obviously but it's very generational how we ended up where we are. Mm. Um, So just helping people to make those links um, and kind of empowering people to take this information and, you know, make lifestyle choices um, based on their new knowledge. And really, I, you know, my aim is to not, ha- you know, I'm happy to hold people's hands for as long as they need, but my aim is to, you know, for you to be able to go off forward in your life and, um, you know, stay healthy or reclaim your health. Um, and so there's a lot of focus on, on of course, diet and lifestyle and um, with the real you know, foundational look at your minerals and your mineral health and what we can do to kind of um, replete your body in that way as well. So, yeah. 
I'm sure they get so much value because it can feel a bit overwhelming. It can feel exciting when you've discovered some new information that you're like, okay, this is this is it. I feel like this is a major key to my puzzle. Um, but it can be really helpful to have someone like yourself to just guide people to look at that holistically and bring that into a really practical format to yes. make those changes. And I hear time and time again whether someone came to it because their children were having health issues or they were it doesn't matter, the whole family benefits. Absolutely. Because those changes kind of filter out into the family, which is really beautiful. Yeah, and that's so true. Um, and that is, you know, that that's our experience as well. We we started this process to help our, you know, our chronically ill daughter. Um, and the flow-on effect from that was my own health improving pretty dramatically. I, you know, I had a laundry list of things that I was suffering that I no longer do. But then the flow-on effect from that, which I just never anticipated would was the health of my other two children as well and my husband. And just one really, you know, um, good example of that is that we had three asthmatics in the house, one very severe we now have no asthmatics in the house. We don't even have a ventolin in the house. So oh, I you know, love that. that's kind of the power of, um, yeah, the power of real food and, um, and balance. Mm, I look forward to hearing the podcast when it comes out about your daughter. And for people that are thinking, oh, well, I didn't get to a preconception and neither did I, a little bit, but not as much, not given the knowledge I have now. Just be rest assured that the more you delve into this space of holistic health, the more you hear stories of people at any stage, it could be their late 30s, their 40s, their mm. 50s, 60s and beyond going, I made these changes and I feel better than ever. Ever So, yeah, don't get stuck on where you're at, just that, um, yeah, you can make changes and so often I hear that what you said that you feel better than ever which is really amazing yeah absolutely I'm sitting here nodding that's a that's such a good piece of it of wisdom yep absolutely you you know you can start today <laughs> thank you so much Amy I'll pop all those links up and yeah again that was an amazingly information dense podcast it's going to be um I can't wait to share it yeah thank you so much for having me such a pleasure and I'm very gracious for you letting me use your platform to share this information so thank you thanks for your energy and time listening I hope you gained something from this podcast all the links from the show are in the show notes please share with friends and family if you think there may be something here for them till next time many blessings